Hi, I'm Devin Moore, your host for Humanity Rising's Race to Speak Up podcast and founder of Hashtag Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization. The Race to Speak Up podcast is a place where we have open and engaging conversations about bullying prevention, how to be upstanders, and how we are making a positive change in our communities. So the question now is, how do you race to speak up? Hello and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I'm your host, Devin Moore. Today's guest is Sana Giovanni. She is the founder and CEO of a nonprofit organization called the Love Your Natural Self Foundation, which focuses on empowering individuals through events, movements, and hands-on sessions. She started this organization after losing all of her hair to alopecia in the seventh grade and struggling with wigs, bullying, and low self-worth. Now her nonprofit organization hosts projects in 150 schools and 28 countries worldwide. Welcome, Sana. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm very happy to be speaking with you. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited, and I, I love everything that this podcast stands for and that you stand for, so I'm super excited to be here. Well, thank you. And I love everything that you stand for. Why don't you tell us about the Love Your Natural Self Foundation and where did your journey begin? Yeah, so um, a lot of my journey began um, actually pretty early on. Um, When I was 12 years old, um, I would say I had like a pretty normal life, schooling, all that stuff. And um, it was spring break of my seventh grade year. And I remember coming home from school And that night I went to bed. um, And when I woke up the next morning, I had about 75% hair loss. Um, I have this condition called alopecia and it's an autoimmune condition which causes your body to attack your hair follicles because it thinks hair is a disease. And so it can come in really, really different forms. And sometimes just because of hormones and like the way your body's um, growing during that time, it can come on very, very aggressively, especially when you're in middle school. And so pretty much overnight, I had lost 75% of my hair. And, and I think, you know, I always tell people to just imagine that, right? Like you go to bed and then you wake up and I, I put my head up and it almost felt lighter. I was like, you know, this, this feels really off. And then the first thing I notice, of course, out of the corner of my eye is my pillow and I see piles and piles of hair and it's terrifying. I'm crying. And then I start running my hands through what's left and anything that's left, it it feels like it's just coming off in real time. Like I'm just getting chunks and chunks of hair in my hands and I'm shaking and I'm so scared. And, you know, I tried to close my eyes and remember what I looked like with hair, because I just remember thinking like, after I look in the mirror, everything is going to change. I don't know if I'm going to feel beautiful anymore. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's what happened. I, I remember getting up, I looked in the mirror and I immediately grabbed my cell phone and I called my mom who was downstairs. And she was like, why are you calling me? Just come downstairs. And I was like, no, mom, you need to come up to my room, slip a wig under the door, but just don't look at me. And she's like, let me come help you. Like you lost your hair. Let me look at you. And I told her, if you look at me, you won't love me anymore. And I know that because I looked at myself and I don't love myself anymore. And that's truly the level of um, self-hatred I had in that moment is I looked at myself and lost every ounce of self-love, self-compassion, or just kindness that I had towards myself. And I remember going to school with my wig and hoping that 
I could just blend in. Maybe I can build myself back up. Maybe we can pretend like this never happened. But unfortunately, it didn't get easier. There was a lot of bullying from gum in my wig to me, notes in my locker. Um, and it was heartbreaking. I just, I just remember every day constantly having my negative voices and then the negative voices of others just shuffling around. And I had to eventually realize that people said mean things to me, but the things I'm saying to myself are so much worse. And so if I can just begin to practice even a little bit of kindness and a little bit of compassion towards myself every day, maybe I could really see a change in my life. And so I did, I started taking baby steps. Thankfully, eventually I, I felt in a place where I was ready to accept who I was, all of who I was, and I felt ready to go without my wig. And um, going without my wig was just such a powerful experience. And I realized that if we each knew our own worth and our own value, we would be powerful, powerful people. And I wanted to make sure that others did know their value and they did know their worth. And so that's kind of what inspired me to create the Love Your Natural Self Foundation. I just wanted everyone to realize that you have this inherent self-worth and this value. And when you see it for yourself, you truly can become unstoppable. Well, Sana, I am sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm happy that you were able to turn it into a positive by creating the Love Your Natural Self Foundation. You're helping a lot of people not only see themselves but embrace it. And I truly understand that that's something that a lot of the youth need, especially at a young age. How were you able to stay focused in school? You know, I think during that time, something that um, I was going through as well, that honestly kind of became an eye-opening moment for me was not being able to focus in school. Um, I remember Every single day, um, I would I would try to go in, and um, I would often end up leaving school early or not going at all, simply just because I was afraid. I was afraid of what people would say. I was afraid of being bullied. I was I was really really scared. And then sometimes I just couldn't even get myself to get ready because I couldn't even look in the mirror. My self worth was that low, and um, it was hard. It was a really really hard time to focus. And I always say that one of the like eye-opening moments for me was coming home from school and seeing my mom holding a letter in her hands and she's just sobbing and so I asked her like what's the letter am I in trouble and and she was like this letter says that you've missed 75 percent of your eighth grade year and you might have to repeat the school year which to me was so crazy because I used to be the kind of student who loved school I was like the biggest dork, like always raising my hand first, like always turning in every project early. Like I had a hundred in every class and I was asking for extra credit still just for fun. Um, you know, I, I always joked about how my favorite sale is not like when the Halloween candy goes on sale, it's when the school supplies go on sale, like that is it. And so to see myself go from that person who loved learning and loved school so much and was very proud of it to someone who, was barely passing any of her classes and who barely even went into campus, it broke my heart and it made me realize that not only did I lose my hair that morning, but I lost my love of learning. I lost my relationship with a lot of um, my friends. I lost um, just this, this excitement I had for school and life and writing and reading. 
Um, so I lost so many parts of myself along with my hair because I think that the biggest thing I lost that morning that I didn't realize in that moment was my self-esteem and my self-worth. Um, and I think that when you lose that core part of yourself, so many other parts of you start to slip away. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because how was I going to focus in class if I could barely even get out of bed or when I did get out of bed, I, I was so in my head. I was always thinking these negative things. Like sometimes I didn't even know how I was going to survive day to day. And so, you know, meeting my needs at that time um, kind of was priority. I felt like I was on survival mode. So being in school just felt second. It was so hard to focus. And I think that's why I'm such a proponent of having like mental health access and programs. Cause I think it's really hard to expect students to focus and to be there and to show up when they can't even really show up for themselves. Did you ever experience days where you said you couldn't take this anymore? Oh yeah. I mean, I was really, really struggling heavily with mental illness. I was struggling with depression. I was struggling with self-harm. I was struggling with things that were really, really heavy and, um, there were, there were many days where I just thought like, I can't do this. I'm, I, I'm not gonna be able to get through this. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful that I did because I know that there are so many students who struggle, who, you know, still haven't found that light or found that hope. And I feel like every time that I would get to that low, something, the smallest act of kindness, the smallest bit of hope would kind of, me back up and I and I really do feel grateful for those moments that I had um because in a way you know I, I know I was going through something really unlucky and really difficult but in a way I felt lucky I felt lucky that I had even when I couldn't see it people in my corner cheering me on even when I couldn't believe it people trying to give me hope and um you know I had a friend who all of seventh grade and eighth grade baked me cookies once a week because she knew I was going through a hard time and I didn't see how much that meant to me at the time I just kind of would like accept it and I was so in my own head that like I didn't I couldn't tell it was helping but it was like I just remember one of those weeks looking at all the little notes that she wrote and thinking like this is a reason to go on like people people care people love you and and so I'm just really grateful to have had so many people who reminded me that like kindness and hope still exists even in the darkest times. Well, I mean, I love that story about your friend um, really working to encourage you. I mean, and then I know that you've actually, um, when we've spoken before, you mentioned that um, you had encouraged others when you really started to embrace yourself. You started encouraging others. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm um, just kind of following this trajectory. So I'm in seventh grade, I'm in eighth grade, and I'm I'm struggling, I'm being bullied every day, I'm barely making it to school. Um, my mom gets this letter and I decide, okay, it's time to make a real tangible change. And so I start practicing self-love and I use the word practice because it truly is a practice. It's like something that you have to work at. It doesn't come overnight. You have to look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm beautiful, I'm strong. You have to take yourself out and do something kind for yourself. You have to spend the time cleaning your room, organizing your desk, like whatever self-care looks like to you, you have to practice it and you have to make it happen for yourself. Um, and so I started doing that for a lot of, for, for me, a lot of that was also going to therapy. It was seeing a mental health professional. Um, and so every day I started practicing self-love until I got to this point where I felt brave enough to go without my wig, 
And um, I posted a video on Facebook of me taking off my wig. And I said, from now on, I'm just gonna embrace who I am fully. And tomorrow I start freshman year and I'm gonna go to school without my wig. And so I went to school without my wig and throughout the day, people kept stopping me. I kept getting messages. Um, when I got home, there were tons of comments and people kept telling me really, really inspiring things that I didn't quite understand at first. So. For example, they would say, because you went without your wig, I found the courage to leave this abusive relationship I'm in. Or because you went without your wig, I decided to get help for my eating disorder and my mental illness. Or because you went without your wig, I went without makeup. And I just kept thinking, what do these things have to do with my wig? Like it didn't, it didn't click for me at first. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, um, it's not the wig, it's it's the courage. It's the fact that when you have the courage to be who you are, you unknowingly inspire people to do the same. Um, you know, courage inspires courage, kindness inspires kindness. I, I think these things are contagious and I didn't even realize that, sure, I was learning to love myself as a gift to myself, but learning to love myself was also the biggest gift I could ever give to the world. And showing up as who I am um, really, really can inspire other people to do the same. And so I think that is the foundational idea that a lot of my work is based off of. I wanted to live so boldly as myself that it just gave others the courage to do the same. And I hope that others will live so boldly as you know who they are that it just creates a braver and safer world for all of us. That's a great message that a lot everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to know, especially from a young age. I know that encouraging self-love is um, something that I think a lot of people tend, or just self-love, realizing that, I feel like a lot of people tend to look over that. But I know that when it comes to the Love Your Natural Self um, Foundation, you are able to really encourage and inspire other people, which is a big thing. In fact, you even have hands-on sessions where you encourage self-love. So what happens during these um, sessions? Yeah, it's, you know, it honestly just depends. It depends on the grade level. It depends on um, the amount of time we have. But I always tell folks it's never too early to learn self-love. So we have curriculum as early as early childhood all the way through college. And in fact, I actually also do things at corporations with adults. So um, it's, it's for all age ranges and it, and it just looks different. But during these sessions, really um, to give a general walkthrough, usually I'll go in, I'll try to learn things about the room and see who I'm working with, hear their stories, I'll share my stories. Um, we'll create a really safe environment where we know we can all be vulnerable and share. And then I try to make it a lot about skill building. Like I said, self-love is a practice, it's a skill, and it's made up of a thousand different little skills. Um, so for the kiddos, the little ones, um, the ones who are in pre-K, that could look like identifying emotions, right? At that age, all they know how to say is I'm happy and I'm sad, but sometimes what they're feeling is not happy. They're instead feeling calm or they're feeling excited or when they're sad, maybe they're feeling jealous or they're feeling disappointed or frustrated. And I think we downplay kids and think like, no, they can't feel any of these things, but they can, they just don't have the words to express them. So like learning to express yourself and learning to verbalize how you're feeling is an act of self-love. Learning to ask for help is an act of self-love. Learning to um, 
develop a goal setting sheet and think about, okay, what are my personal, professional self-care kind of goals as an act of self-love? So, you know, I think self-love is often sold as this super like fluffy concept, but it's, it's hard work. It's a lot of really, really hard skills. Um, and so a lot of those sessions focus on that. And I'll just kind of jump in depending on who I'm working with and I'll try to make it very personalized for that group. Okay. Well, I, I mean, of course I'm really just amazed by your words. In fact, I think that's something that a lot of teachers really need to encourage is just like, I know you learn about these different words at school, but when it comes to like learning about self-love at a young age, learning about these specific words in order to really decipher um, what you are feeling is very important. I think that's very crucial. I know that you also speak at events. What else do you talk or what do you talk to students about? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is honestly just telling my story. Um, I think one thing that I'm really, really, really passionate about is representation. And I think for a long time, it was really cool. Um, and of course, I've, I've gotten a little bit older, but I'm not still too far from the students that I work with. Um, but it was especially really cool when I was 15 and I first started my organization and I went to go give a school assembly to a group of 15 year olds. And I told them, imagine waking up tomorrow and finding all of your hair on your pillow. And that empathetic connection they were able to make because they were like, I see someone who's the same age as me, who is going through what I'm going through right now. And to imagine being in her shoes and like overcoming this and like knowing that she actually knows what high school is like because she's in it, um, I think really, really made an impact. So a lot of my speeches are very candidly and honestly telling my story and, and you know, reminding students that I wasn't, um, I'm not much older than them now and I was the same age as them when I went through what I went through. Um, you know, I think, when it comes to um, making a difference, like there's so much stuff that's important. Um, obviously research is important. It's really important to have professionals, people who have gotten certified and gotten training and stuff um, to back a lot of the work that I'm doing. But I think it's equally as important to like center student voice. And um, while the research and all the technical stuff is really important, storytelling is equally as important. And so telling meaningful, impactful stories is a lot of just what I do during those assemblies is, is telling the story I'm telling you now, um, telling the story of being bullied, telling the story of going without my wig, telling the story of how I started a nonprofit so young, because like a lot of students want to know how to do that. And they're like, how, how do you do that? How'd you do that at 15 years old? Like, how'd you know what to do? Um, so yeah, just being really candid and honest has always been my approach and just telling stories because I think um that's that's really my strength that's where it lies it's just being totally honest with people and and speaking from a place of just total personal experience and trying really hard to relate to folks I get what you mean and I think that it's really important and it honestly like brings a smile to my face that students are able to be empathetic towards others or towards you when it comes to this because if you really do put yourself in someone else's shoes, I think that a lot of, I think a lot of people need to really understand this, that putting yourself in other people's shoes will really allow you to see how hard it is or how much time it really takes to learn how um, to get to that place where you have a lot of self-love or get to that place where 
you feel comfortable in yourself. And I know that when it comes to like talking about these different stories that things with things that, or about things that you've gone through, I know that that definitely opens up this safe space. I mean, I remember when I, I'll tell you this, like one quick story about um, when I spoke to um, fifth graders and I told them about my bullying story. I just made it like, so that they really could understand. And then this opened up a space where they were just asking me a bunch of questions about bullying. After I explained like what bullying and the different types of um, bullying there are, they just started asking me like, what should I do? And then they told me about their own bullying experiences. But the thing is, one common thing I've noticed within them is that many of their, actually it was their parents who would just like take them out of the school and be like, let's not do this anymore. We know like they were just taking their um, child out of school. So that doesn't exactly solve the issue because the child is still feeling like these different effects of bullying, which include not feeling that self-love. How do you think we can overcome bullying? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of facing things head on, whether that be your own feelings. Um, you know, we go through so, so many things and I feel like it's really easy sometimes. The easier route is to just bury it and to not think about it and to think that's tomorrow's problem or that's future me's problem. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of facing things head on. If every single day you wake up and you just hear negative thoughts reinforced, um, you hear, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not kind, I'm not worthy, then that's how you're going to show up in the world. You're going to show up as someone who isn't kind to others, who doesn't show up as them best, as their best self, who doesn't love the way that they have the capacity to love. Um, if you're tearing yourself down, that's, that's how you're going to show up. That's the energy you're going to bring. Um, you know, I always think of the cup metaphor that you can't pour from an empty cup. And, you know, if you truly do feel that empty on the inside, you're going to have a nothing to offer others. And B, if you try to take from others, instead of filling your own cup, you're just going to use your energy and feel even more empty at the end. And I think that's where a lot of bullying is rooted from. I think bullying is rooted in low self-worth. It's people who feel empty and try to fill their cup by hurting others, but eventually realize that that's not the way to do it. Um, so I think instead you just need to take time nurturing yourself, filling your own cup, being kind to yourself, building coping strategies, focusing on your mental health, making sure that your home situation is safe and stable. I mean, I know sometimes you don't have control, but I think, you know, that's a lot of the reason that people sometimes bully is that they don't feel safe or powerful in their own circumstances. So they try to go find a place where they, um, so really, really making sure that you have a strong foundation because I promise that when your cup gets full, when you feel like you are filled with peace and inner peace, you're going to just start to overflow. You're going to feel so full that you have kindness to give to others. You're going to feel so full of inner peace that you can go spread peace to the world. So I think really, really making sure that you feel whole as an individual is a good way to end bullying and a good place to start. I agree with you. And when you said um, dealing with like low self-worth is um, definitely a part of bullying, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, that reminds me of, this is actually a presentation that you gave that I saw on YouTube and you said, um, you said low self-esteem plus bullying equals self-bullying. 
Can you tell us more about what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think low self-esteem is uh, basically the the act of looking at yourself and feeling like you're not enough or just not feeling good about yourself. Um, and so when you feel like that at a baseline, you're already not feeling the greatest. And then other people on the outside are telling you, yeah, you're not good enough. You're not beautiful. You're not amazing. And they really reinforce force that low self-worth. You start to get this really toxic pattern of you saying those things to yourself. Um, so now you're repeating what's been said and bullying yourself. You're telling yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Everyone who's saying everything is right. I'm never going to make it. And these patterns just get reinforced because in every bucket of your life, you're hearing the same thing. And it almost causes you to spiral and really, really, really just get to a dark place. Um, and that's an extreme example, but I think self-bullying happens everywhere. And I think it's important to recognize the places that it might happen where we might not notice. So I work with a lot of students and I'll watch them take a test. And right when they get their test, they don't even know what the first question is, but they'll be like, ah, oh, I'm gonna fail. And I'll be like, how do you know that? You haven't even tried. Like you could do so well on this test. Um, how would it feel if instead you started with, I'm so intelligent and I'm gonna do my very best. Um, and I know that sounds silly, but I would just think about the kinds of things that we tell our friends. Like if you had a good friend come up to you and say, I studied really, really hard for this test and I hope I do well, you wouldn't look them in the eye and say, yeah, you're gonna fail. No, of course not. You would tell them, hey, you're gonna do great. Like, I'm sure your studying will pay off. Like, you got this. Um, in the same way, let's just say that you hear really hard news. You hear, um, you know, there's, there's something going on with your family or you just heard some bad news. You might think to yourself right away, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. But instead of saying, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, maybe try to say like, I always find a way and this time I will too. Um, so I would say that that's a great, great baseline is to see like, how would you love a good friend? Love yourself that way. Talk to yourself that way. Talk to yourself with the respect and compassion that you would give someone that you love. Um, because otherwise you're, you're bullying yourself and, you know, you may not always realize it, but it, it does eat little ways. And at some point self-bullying, I feel becomes so natural that we, we stop noticing that we're doing it. It just feels like oh, that's just the voice in my head. Um, and I think that's when it's really sad because you know you gotta call that out. You gotta notice that you're doing it and you gotta say no more of this. Just like you stand up for yourself to others, you gotta stand up for yourself to yourself sometimes. Yeah, that's very true. You created International Day of Self-Love. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, after I went without my wig and I, I got all this positive feedback from my peers and um, I just realized the power that I had in being myself. I thought about almost like a ripple effect or like a domino effect. And I thought if I could have this much power and inspire this many people by being myself, imagine if there was a day where everybody felt bold enough to be who they are. And maybe we could create a culture shift. Maybe we could create just a braver and safer world where people didn't even feel like they had to hide in the first place. They just felt comfortable to be who they are. I mean, ideally, I want to live in a world where I lose all my hair and the next day I can just walk outside because I know that that didn't define my worth. Um, and I know that we're far from that. There's so many harsh beauty standards and um, 
there's still a lot of like negativity, but I, I wanted to try to make the world a more positive space. And so I thought, what if there was an international day of self-love where people could be who they are, where people could step into who they are and show up as just the bravest and boldest versions of themselves. I believe that even if we had just a day like this, we could create a ripple that would truly, really, truly change the world. And so I started with my campus because that's what I knew how to do at the time. And I um, gave a speech at all three lunches, sharing my story, sharing my vision for this day. Um, and I said, you know, the International Day of Self-Love will take place February 13th before Valentine's Day, because you have to love yourself fully before loving others. And I challenge you to show up as the bravest and boldest version of yourself tomorrow. And I gave that speech and I didn't know if it was gonna work. Um, after that, I stayed after school and stayed till at the school till like three or 4 a.m. just hanging up sticky notes that said, you're beautiful, you're strong, you've got this, you can do this, you're bold, you're brave. And, um, I kind of just hope for the best. And, you know, I thought this is the kind of thing where in high school that people could make fun of it, or this is the kind of thing that hopefully will really take off. And um, I'm so grateful to say that it really, really took off. People showed up that next day without makeup. They showed up um, ready to get help from a counselor. They showed up um, telling me their story, being vulnerable. Um, some people even showed up in white t-shirts and they wrote um, you know, their insecurity on there. They said, I'm more than my trauma or I'm more than my past. And that was really powerful. Um, so it was really, really cool to see the different ways that people showed up and celebrated the International Day of Self-Love. And I realized that if you make space for people to be who they are, people want to be who they are. They, they, they hate hiding, like, you know, they want the space to do so. And so I, I just was committed from that day forward that I need to bring this to more campuses. I need to create more space because gosh, what a loss it is to the world that people aren't showing up as their full selves. I mean, people have so much to offer um, as individuals. And so I, I just truly think it's, it's such a loss and it breaks my heart to know that people don't feel comfortable bringing all of who they are to the table because we could learn a lot from each other. I agree with you because I know that especially when like I see at these different schools they have like bulletin boards with positive um, affirmations or just something positive on them or in these other different um, places in the school just seeing that really brightens your day it makes you feel comfortable and I know that when it comes to online which is something a lot of us are on today I think or in modern day I really think that um, that should also be a safe space too but unfortunately, it's it's really not for a lot of people or it's really not in a lot of places. I see um, negativity being promoted more and hate being promoted more so than positivity. So how do you think that we can um, promote self-love online? Yeah, I think a lot of it starts with um, just your own basic social media platforms. I think how you show up makes a world of a difference. I mean, one approach that I always have is um, Yes, I like to share about, you know, my nonprofit and my success and like the awards that I've won. But I also think it's equally as important to share about my bad days. Important to share when maybe I've relapsed from self-harm, maybe I'm struggling with something. Um, and of course it's it's to my own comfort and what I feel comfortable sharing. But I really try to show the whole picture. I try not to just tell the highlights of my story. I try to show all the messiness as it is. Um, because I know that 
stories need to be told. People need to hear the highs and the lows. Because right now, sometimes when you scroll through social media, you can just feel like, gosh, everyone's life must be better than mine because everyone seems to be doing so well and I'm struggling so much. And, you know, so I, I try to show the parts of me that are struggling and the parts of me that um, maybe aren't perfect. And it's hard and it's vulnerable, but I do think it makes a difference to show up in that way. Um, so I think that's one way. I think another way is to just like use it as a platform for kindness. A lot of the way that the International Day of Self-Love was celebrated was as a social media movement. People posted pictures, um, sharing their stories of self-love, of self-acceptance. And again, courage inspires courage. So like share your story, speak up. I think that could make a big difference for others. Um, it's crazy because I struggled a lot with cyberbullying actually. When um, I was wearing my wig, someone made a burn page, um, which was just like a page made to make fun of me called the Sana burn page. And people were supposed to guess all the reasons that I might be wearing a wig. And it was heartbreaking. I got a friend request from a page created to make fun of me. And I remember just crying and just feeling so heartbroken. And, you know, at that time, I just thought this is such a negative platform. There can be no good for this. But at the same time, a few months later, that was the exact platform where I was posting the video of me going without my wig. So it's crazy that the internet can be, yes, something so negative and dark and scary, but it can also be used for courageous voices and good and making a difference and spreading change. And like that choice is ultimately yours um, in the way that you show up, in the way that you treat others and in the way that you use and amplify your voice. I mean, now more than ever, you know, anyone can hop on and start a digital platform and, and you can choose whether that's a good good thing or a bad thing. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that when it comes to well, yeah, like your own platform on social media, just taking that into your own hands and promoting good and promoting positivity is very impactful and very inspiring. What's been the most challenging part of your journey? I think probably one of the most challenging parts of my journey is that I very much grew up with my organization. Um, and, and so I guess what I mean by that is all of the wisdom and the, the lessons that I know how to articulate now, I definitely did not know when I was 15, even after I had gone without my wig. Um, I remember going without my wig, like starting the first International Day of Self-Love and then really early on by 16 years old, having been on national television, just like all this crazy stuff that I did not know how to process as a 16 year old. And I remember thinking to myself like, there's so many eyes on me now, I have to be perfect. Like I found myself love, I have to live into it. And so to me, I was so confused as to what that meant, but I felt like I couldn't have a bad day. I felt like if I have a bad day, everyone's gonna know that I'm just like, I don't actually love myself. Like, you know, I, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm, you know, disappointing the people who look up to me. Like I have to always be the happiest and the best role model there is. I have to show up at a hundred percent and, you know, I, I tried that for a while. I tried to be on all the time. Anytime that I had any sort of self-doubt, I just dismissed it. And I thought like, no, I have to ignore that because I love myself. So I must not have those thoughts, but that's not true at all. That's not what self-love means. And I didn't know that at the time. Um, you know, I think some people have the impression that loving yourself means like every day is a good day or every day is perfect, or you feel good every day. 
But I think in fact, self-love instead means you love yourself through your hard days and you love yourself just as much on those hard days. So no, no one's perfect. I mean, some days, even now I wake up feeling amazing. I wake up feeling like a 10 out of 10, but some days I wake up and I feel like I'm back in the seventh grade, even today, like um, even, even to this day, I wake up and I'll feel like I don't want to leave bed or I don't want to leave my house. Sometimes I'll wish like, man, maybe I should still be wearing a wig. Like I don't feel good and it's okay. Um, and I think like having that self-compassion has been the hardest part of this journey, realizing that, you know, self-love is not just a start starting line and a finish line. It's super, super, a bunch of curves and bumps along the way. Um, and it's not at all linear. Um, and I think just, yeah, growing up with my foundation was really hard because I think at first I, I just put so much pressure on myself. I was like, okay, well, now that you found self-love, you have to be the perfect model of it. When in fact, the perfect model meant having those bad days, embracing those bad days, sharing those bad days and understanding that like for every five good days, I'll probably have five bad days and that's okay. That's not, that doesn't mean you don't love yourself. That doesn't mean you're failing. That's just life. That's a part of the journey. And I feel like it's even more impressive that you can choose to have compassion with yourself on your hard days. So embrace those hard days. Just just have just as much compassion as you would on your good ones. It is still hard at times. I just am glad that we have um, people like us who work to promote um, self-love and promote unity. Um, and then on top of that, bullying prevention and like really learning to accept yourself and accept others. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's been the most rewarding part of your journey? Just been to see other students grow through this experience. I mean, again, I really, really, really did not go without my wig in the beginning for other people. It was something I was doing solely for myself. Um, helping people was like the cherry on top. And just like, I didn't even know that I was going to get the chance to do that. And so, yeah, it's, it's just been so rewarding to get to help people through this. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful thing that, you know, your healing can inspire healing in others. Um, and just a quick little story, a quick anecdote that I think shows that really well is I remember um, I was having a really, really tough day. It was one of those like, you know, self-love is a journey. And this is a day where my journey was really low. I was like, I do not feel good today. I, you know, I'm trying to show myself all the compassion and care and love I can, but like, it's, it's hard. It's a hard day. And one of the things that I often do on hard days is I'll go on social media and I'll look up my um, organization and I'll look up people who tag us and things. And I found a post that I had missed and it was from a young girl in seventh grade. And on the International Day of Self-Love, she went without her wig and she had only lost her hair like a couple days prior. So she actually never even bought a wig, but she found my story and she decided that instead of buying a wig, she was going to use the International Day of Self-Love to just walk into the world as herself. And, you know, sometimes I wish I had someone that I could have looked up to and I could have skipped this whole um, period of just struggling and fighting myself and wearing my wig. And I could have just walked into the world as myself because like my life just became so much fuller and so did the lives of those around me. And I just sometimes just wish like, oh gosh, if I could go back in time and skip that because it was such a tough, tough time. And here was someone who 
I mean, and I don't want to downplay anything that she went through, but in a way she had gotten to the phase of just like choosing to be herself really early. And she said it was because she found my story. And, and I think that was just such a cool parallel. And it was so powerful to see that, you know, I, I tried to be the superhero I needed growing up. I really did. And I try to be that still. And it's cool when I can be that person for someone. Um, and, and, you know, she was that person for me. So I love also that like helping others is mutually beneficial because just as much as my courage might've inspired her, she really, really got me out of a dark place that day and her courage inspired me. And I think just learning from the individuals around me, being inspired by the individuals around me, um, you know, these students have taught me more than I could have ever known about myself. I ask them for advice and wisdom all the time. Like even being 24 years old now, um, and talking to my 15, 16 year old students, I think student voice and student creativity and student courage is like so, so, so real. And so I'll ask them, I'll be like, okay, I'm thinking about dropping this class, but I don't know, or I'm thinking about taking this instead. And, and I love getting advice from my students and learning from them every day. So like definitely the people I work with are the most rewarding part of this whole journey. I learned so much from them and I'm so humbled by they make me a better person and make me want to show up as like a fuller version of myself. Oh, I love that. And I love that story about um, not only is um, you the girl's hero, the girl's hero, but she's also yours. I love that. I think that's a great thing that someone's able to look up to you. I know when it comes to me, it's I think a lot of the time, like my way of recognizing that people are looking up to me is by them reaching out to me and saying I was bullied and I would love like for you to give me advice or like I need help. And then on top of that, like when it comes to them reaching out to me, it also makes me feel good, not just because they feel comfortable in it, but because they're actually speaking up. They race to speak up. They're actually speaking up about their bullying experiences. It's always, always a rewarding moment for me too. So I completely understand what you said, what you're saying. Um, so what are you currently up to? <laughs> um, so currently I am, um, so I finished up school recently. Um, about a year ago, I finished up my master's degrees. So I got two of them, which is crazy, but I got one in education, culture and society. Um, which is a master's of ed, and then one in nonprofit leadership, which is a master's of science um, at the University of Pennsylvania. So that was an incredible experience to be able to bridge my two passions, one of education and one of activism and nonprofits, um, and really just get a holistic experience. So that was really cool. And I felt like I needed, I needed that because like I said, I'm, I'm a big storyteller. I'm a big person with a lot of heart but I think sometimes also where I recognize I need to grow is a lot of technical skills and some of the classes in that program were very technical so I learned a lot and I love that um and then along with that I'm also um I started a job in March in Washington DC so I'm kind of in the midst of a move um at this amazing nonprofit called Generation Hope that promotes college access so um yeah, I just, you know, I've, I've always really also, like I mentioned, been passionate about education and learning. And I think that having an education gives you the tools to show up and articulate the fullest version of yourself sometimes. And so really, really about promoting college access and for anybody who wants to go, giving them the chance to just get to go embrace that dream. So 
um, yeah, it's it's been really fun, and I'm I'm still, of course, doing work with my own foundation as well. But it's been also really cool to just grow as an activist and as a leader, and and decide what that's going to look like, especially as I grow up. Well, Sana, this has been a great conversation, and definitely keep me updated on everything that you're doing. Uh, my last question for you is, how can people find you? Tell us your social media platforms and your website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website's easy. It's just www.loveyournaturalself.org. Um, so you can you can go, you can um, explore. We have copies um, or we have some of our curriculum uploaded, but you can always email me if you want the rest of it. Um, you can find out how to bring this to your campus. You can find out how to have me come speak at an event. There's there's lots on there. So feel free to check that out. There's a way that you can email me directly through there as well. So that's always an option. And then for my social media platforms, um, I've always kept my personal and professional ones fairly the same. Um, just because of what I a lot of what I mentioned, I like to um, I want my brand to be the whole story. Um, I want it to be the fact that you know, I do all this professional stuff, but I also think having a life and having friends is very much important. And I also think acknowledging that you have a bad day is very important. So I've, I've realized that for me, it just works to keep it all universal. So you can just Google my name um, and you would probably find my social media handles. But I know on Instagram, it's at Sana J. Um, on Twitter, it's at Sana Giovanni. Um, and yeah, feel free to find me, follow me. And I'm always looking to meet new folks and connect and talk about how we can um, just make this world a better place and a place with more self-love and self-acceptance. Well, thank you, Sana. You are such a positive influence on others. And I know we all say thank you. Oh, well, thank y'all. This was fun. This is awesome to get to talk about everything. And um, yeah, I love, I love jumping into these conversations. They're very important to have. Very true. And thank you all for listening. I hope to see you guys at future Race to Speak Up podcasts. If you have questions about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. Join the Humanity Rising movement. We are a student-led movement to create a better world through service. There are many ways to participate and you will be eligible for service learning hours and scholarship opportunities. For more information, visit www.humanityrising.org. And remember to ask yourself this question, how do you race to speak up?